Welcome to 40 Stories, the podcast that welcomes you into the minds and hearts of the people whose lives have been affected by West 40, the people who have made the impossible become possible. I'm your host, Tim Stafford. So I'm here with uh, DeAndre McLaurin. How's it going, DeAndre? Good. You? I'm doing all right, man. Um, you are working at the at Irving Middle School, correct? Correct. Okay. And where is that? Uh, Maywood, Illinois. In Maywood, Illinois. So you're working on the proviso, the proviso district. Yes. Cool. So what? Um, what got you into? What brought you to West Forty? And you can go back as far back <laughs> as you want, but how did you end up where where you're at now? So it's actually a funny story. So I was in between um, looking for a job, basically. I saw it on Indeed pop up, you know, it was advocate and was interested in it. So I applied, long story short, um, Monique, I think she emailed me maybe like an hour later, you know, I wanted to set up an interview. So I'm like, okay, cool. That's a good sign. Yeah. <laughs> and so I interviewed at some point, I think a week or a couple weeks later, whatever, interviewed with her. And then it was, she had to set up like you interview with her. Then if you like pass her interview, you go and interview with mm-hmm. the school. So I go and interview with the school. And then probably about a week later, I found out that I didn't get it. Someone else, um, someone else got it. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, life goes on about a month and a half later, Monique calls me. She's like, hey, um, this, you know, this is Monique. I don't know if you remember, you interviewed for this position. Um, well, something happened with the last person that we hired. Are you possibly still interested? And I was like, it caught me off guard. And I remember I'm in my basement. I'm like, uh, yeah, I, I am interested. You know, the people at the school wanted you. So that's how I ended up getting the job itself. Like, so you it didn't this, get it, then you got it, and now you're holding on, <laughs> holding yeah, on tight? It, it was this, this weird this weird thing. Um, so, yeah, so that was in, like, December, and then it was right at the beginning of, like, Christmas break. Mm-hmm. So I actually had to wait a little bit to go and do my paperwork and all that different type of stuff before I was able to start. So, so your role as an advocate, what does your role look like? Because some people know, like, we, we have teachers and we have principals and we have counselors. How is the role of well? First of all, just explain like what what do you like? What does your day to day look like within that school? My day to day is or what is it supposed to look like? <laughs> yeah, so get going. I'll say this: so typically, at least from the lens of people at the school, I'm pretty much between a social worker and if you were to say like a school counselor. Okay, I don't necessarily do what a social worker does in terms of their level of support, but I also don't do what a school counselor or a guidance counselor would do either. So essentially I have 34 students and I'm basically support for them within the building. So I support uh, students with uh, academic issues, attendance issues, and behavioral issues, as well as social emotional issues. So what that looks like, uh, I don't wanna say daily, cause honestly daily it's always different. Mm-hmm. But say if there's a child that is having struggling academically, right? So I'm constantly monitoring grades. I'm constantly monitoring uh, attendance, uh, absences, tardies, all that different type of stuff. Um, And we keep data on that uh, weekly and then uh, we sum it up monthly. So I stay after school for uh, homework club to help with kids. Uh, I pop into classrooms sometimes just to kind of observe, uh, see if they're how they're learning 
actually in class. So if I see something or if I see they're not doing something, like I'm kind of like, all right, hey, come on, let's go. Let's get to work. Um, or do you need help with this? So I'll take that time, help them out. On the other end of things is like attendance, right? So we have students with attendance issues. Um, so we are actually um, able to do home visits. So if there's a child that is chewing not coming, chewing yeah. or anything like that, uh, we're constantly keeping in uh, touch with parents. Uh, so I might have to go to the kid's home and kind of motivate them to come to school, you know? So that's something I might do. I might just keep in contact with parents because one of the things that we run into is that some of our parents leave home before their kids are supposed to leave to school. Yeah. So um, so there's no way for them to know if their kid's actually at school. So I'm the one, like, they'll text, hey, did, did they come? You know, and I'm like, yeah, they're here, or no, they're, they're not here. And then also on the other end is just, like, managing behavior. So, for example, kids using language, right, incorrect language. Well, for me, I'm really trying to focus on it's not necessarily a bad thing that you're using that language, it's just inappropriate for school. Like, we're not trying to say that that is bad language or whatever you're doing here is the bad thing to do. It's just inappropriate for school. Obviously, if you're, you know, you're outside of school, like you're at the to, park with your friends, yeah, then it is I, appropriate. I think that it, like, there's that fine line. You, you want to validate how they feel, but you also want them to learn, like, it's a skill to be able to talk differently with different, different, different folks, you know? Right. And yeah. it's, it's code switching. Yeah. You know, just being able to recognize what situation you're in and uh, behave appropriately for that situation. And I, and I tell the kids all the time, you know, the way that I'm dressed now, for example, you know, dress pants and like a dress shirt or something. It's not how I dress when I'm at home <laughs> and I'm going to Walmart. And I said, if I go to Walmart, I might be in like sweatpants and a sweatshirt or something. I said, there's just there's certain things that you just have to understand that there's a, a time and place for everything. Yeah. So my students will ask, like, do you swear? I was like, I swear all the time but not here like you won't you won't hear me do it like why not and and i tell them like i don't think that it's necessary i don't think it's a bad thing but it's like if i swear all you're gonna hear is the swear word that i say and it's either gonna you're either gonna be offended or you're gonna laugh and you're not gonna pay attention to anything else right. anything else i say so you, you you do a lot you know i always am interested in in this because we we when we start working with kids we start working in schools we know that there is going to be a large demand on us um because there is i mean you were listing them like you know the social emotional um the 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 truancy issues and 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 just like their behavior in class there's there's so many things that go into like your your day what was it about working in schools or working with kids that that appealed to you? How did you decide that, you know what, this is, this is the area that I want to kind of go to? Growing up, I, I feel I'm, I've been very, very fortunate in terms of my family life and things like that. I've always only had my mother. I've never uh, had a relationship with my father or anything, but I feel blessed and fortunate the way that my mother raised me. And I've always enjoyed not necessarily teaching to like the fact that you do it, but teaching life skills mm -hmm. you know I've, just little cousins and just um, younger people that's just always something that I've enjoyed and um, when this opportunity came to really really help students that were at risk and students that were um, youth you know it, it just it was exciting to me to be honest I mean I'm I don't really know other words really to say to be honest but that's the one thing that 
you know, these, these kids are the future when you think about it. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the lawyers, the, the doctors, the teachers that we have now eventually are going to retire, pass away, you know. And so I, essentially it's kind of our job to help, not raise, but help kids that are coming up grow into those positions because we're going to need them. Just that idea of being able to help kids do better is just, that's, that's enough. Do you feel like when you were, when you were a kid, because I always feel like I was never in a, I teach an alternative school, but I was never in an alternative school. Mm-hmm. Uh, although I, I believe that I exerted a lot of behaviors that I very could have well have been in, in a school like that. And a lot of the people that I work with kind of like the same thing. Like we see a lot of ourselves in like in the students and in the communities that we teach. Do you see like little little deandre isms coming out of these kids or do you see like oh like i know what you're up to because let me tell you a little bit about myself so i have one student who is probably well she's definitely my best student in terms of academically and behavior wise Mm -hmm. so her support is just social emotional growing up i was always a good kid i never never got suspended never got a detention, any of that stuff, you know, goody goody. I I was, (laughs) I was. And so, and she's similar. She's the same way, you know, and she reminds me of myself because she's very good around me. She's very good around teachers. However, I have heard things about her from other students, which, and here's, here's the thing that I, that I tell students. I understand that how you guys act around me is not how you typically act when you're with your friends. I said, that's a good thing. I I respect the fact that you respect me enough to not speak the way that you speak around your friends. So not that code switching that you were talking about. Right. I said, I, I I respect that. It's not, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's good that you rec that you have that respect for me, you know? So she kind of reminds me of myself, I think just because I was a good kid in terms of school and behavior and stuff, but I wasn't necessarily good all the way around yeah. you know what i mean yeah I so you you find your spots you find yeah. your, your spots to do it um when a kid so you you work with about 30 kids correct 33 yeah 33, 33. kids is there what is the process in which a kid is assigned to you does every kid is everyone kid is, is every kid assigned someone like you or is it based on a specific need or you or you spot a kid like i i should probably grab that kid so there's a, there's a couple ways. So the process is grade levels put together referral forms um, of students that they think need the extra support. Um, and they typically, they'll fill out a form and it has to do with like uh, basically why they feel that they need support. And then it gets brought to me. And at that point, I um, call parents and see if it's something that they're interested in. Uh, so it's actually pretty simple. Now, on the other end of things, there are students that naturally gravitate towards you. So, like, I have 33 official students, but I probably have another six or seven, like, unofficial students, mm-hmm. you know, to be honest. Um, so there have been a couple where even just talking to my um, to Monique, where she was just like, well, you're already supporting that student. You might as well just put them on your caseload. Yeah. You know, there has been some of those, too. So that's that's pretty much the process. So it's not necessarily complicated um but there are like specific guidelines so there has to be parental buy-in for it and the, and the teachers recognize so everyone's kind of 
it's all connected. Everything. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely need um, permission from the parents um, for sure. And, you know, when I started doing this job, that was honestly one of the more difficult things to, well, number one, navigate through, but also understand, you know, because I would call parents and they wouldn't call back. Yeah. You know, and I would try texting them. Oh, okay, people are working, you know, let me try texting. You know, I would try emailing, nothing, no phone, no text, no email. And I'm just like, how? You know what I mean? I'm like, this is your child. Yeah. You know, and that was one of the hardest things for me to, like, I guess, digest, you know, when I first, uh, when I first started. Do you think that that's like stems from like a trust issue or if maybe their kid gotten Got in trouble before. I'm like, oh, I don't want to hear this <laughs> and, and postponing I, it. I believe it's that. Okay. I believe, well, mostly, yeah, like they're probably tired of hearing it. To be honest, some of it, I I just think they honestly don't care, to be honest. So you got to be the person that steps in and, and does, and like, is like, I, you, you got support. Like, you got, you got a cheerleader. I'm, I'm going to help you out. Well, but here's the thing. If I don't get consent from the parents and oh, I can't okay. work with that child... Okay. For example, when I first started, I had a pile of referrals, right, from the sixth grade at the time. I probably, at the end, still had nine or ten of parents that I tried contacting, but just never, they never responded or they refused. I had so many at the time that I would literally call, they didn't answer, try texting, nothing. So I would just note it and then just put them to the back of the pile and I would just kept going because I was... Not necessarily pressure, but I had to build my case yeah, yeah. So, so they go back, and it's it's one of those things you keep trying and, until you get it, kind of thing. Pretty much. Okay. Um, what is so you've been doing this job for a year now? Yes, over a year. So, how do you feel? You know, from with working with kids, and and, and obviously not all the same kids because some of those kids probably left. You know, over the summer. Um, <clears throat> what are some of the things that you're that, and, and it could be directly related to the work that you're doing or just the, you know, the collective work of you. I mean, because I like how you said, like, you, you work with the teachers, you work with the parents, um, and that collective work, you know, ha- has quite an impact. Um, what are some of the ways that you've seen kids been, be able to, to grow by staying with, you know, having you as an advocate, staying with the program, and, you know, being in school doing their stuff? What, what are some of the things that... Like, what are some of the successes, big or small, that you've seen with the kids that you've been working with? I've had a lot of academic success. Now, not for some, not huge, but I've, especially this year, really trying to focus on um, praising that success, even if it is small. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, I had students that when I got them last year were Fs across the board. And I ha- so one particular student, she was Fs across the board, one of the more higher tier behavior students. And last quarter this year, she had one F and I think she had maybe two D's and two C's or something like that, you know. Um, So like that made me happy, you know, because I'm like you and and here's the thing. She was it wasn't high F's either. It was lower F's, 40, 50 percent. So for you to come and then you have only one F and then you pulled some couple C's out, too, like that. That was a good feeling. I have a few students like that. So when when she sees a report card like that. Is she, is she disappointed or does she see the growth that, that she's had? When she sees a report card like she, she just got? report card with the C's okay. and the D's, which at, like on the surface, if you just look at that report card, you're like, this isn't the best report card. Right, but right. when you compare it to what it was before, 
that's a lot of growth. Did she view it as like, I'm really growing? Or did she view it as, you know what, I put in all this work and look at the, I still don't have great grades. So I don't know how she viewed it, but I purposely made it a big deal. Um, So we have like incentives at the school. um, So I gave her one of those um, just because I wanted her to know that I noticed the progress, but I also wanted her to continue um, to keep trying to do better. You know what I mean? So I, to be honest, I don't, I don't know how she felt about it, but I know she was happy that I was happy, you know, and, and I did praise her for that. So, I mean, that's a realist. That's, I mean, when we talk about smart goals and, uh, you know, I mean, smart goals were all the rage like years ago and we still use them, but that's, that is, I mean, to say, Hey, you have straight F's, you got to get straight A's. That's unrealistic. But so, but that, I think that that's great observable manageable tangible growth right there and right. it's and it's more you know because if a kid, if i had a kid that was all left and then they got all a's i'd be like what's going on <laughs> yeah. thanks for listening to the 40 stories podcast we know we can't change the system alone so we want to hear your thoughts and bold ideas to join the conversation email us at 40 stories at west 40.org that's 40 stories at west 40.org That's it for this episode of 40 Stories. I'm your host, Tim Stafford.